Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. On the previous episode of El Flow, in the holiday spirit of looking back on the year that's just passed, I spoke with Vitenis Di Julis, the producer of El Flow, to talk about the episodes that have aired so far and what surprised us or caught our attention the most. In this episode, we're going to continue that discussion by looking forward to what's coming up on El Flow in 2022. And we also take the opportunity to talk about some big issues surrounding the genre. This is El Flow, a journey to the roots of reggaeton. My name is Lilia Luciano. I'm a CBS News correspondent born and raised in Puerto Rico, the cradle of reggaeton. You're listening to episode 13, The Future. We started our conversation with Viti talking about my grandmother, Velda González de Modesti an artist and Puerto Rican senator who in the early 2000s wrote a series of laws that were initially criticized by almost the entire genre. Because among other things, the laws limited where and when certain reggaeton music videos could be seen on television. As you can imagine, it's a sensitive topic for me because I knew my grandmother very closely and I do not share many of the versions of the story that have been told about her and reggaeton. But I'm also a journalist And that means having a critical eye. As the old saying goes, if your mother says she loves you, check it out. Or grandmother in this case. I wanted to ask you, your family plays a very peculiar role in the history of, of reggaeton. Like right when it's about to hit its you know, first big moment, your grandmother, Belda Gonzalez, is seen as going up against you know, the entire movement. You know, for me, it's really interesting. And, and what really... Why I wanted to do this is, is of course, the history of my grandmother, uh, Bela Gonzalez, who has been painted as some kind of villain or, or ultra-conservative political figure, which she was not. She was a trailblazer. She was a hardcore feminist. She was somebody who told the dirtiest jokes. And there's so many stories. And I remember my, you know, growing up with my grandmother, like she was she was arrested in Vieques for protesting, you know, the Navy bombings, the practices uh, from the U.S. Navy in Vieques. She like protested in her underwear for Oscar Lopez Rivera to be liberated. There's so many things she did and she really, you know, she taught us to go the extra mile. And, you know, to me, it's like she wasn't a conservative. She's just saying, like, if you have a song about, like, you know, peeing on a woman and spitting at her face and her grandkids, who was me, was like at the little Dicopari singing along, which is what we hear. You know, I remember that song, Malita Buddha, is like that was a song that all the kids and of course you would, you know, I was a teenage, a preteen or a teen and I would see the boys and everybody sang along and we danced along and it was dangerous and we thought it was so cool. 
And here I am being, you know, raised by my super feminist mom, my super feminist grandmother and trying to like make sense of the values that I had as a woman who wanted to thrive and wanted to, you know, like take over the world, you know, like you're a girl, you're empowered, you can do all these things. But then you go to a party and they're minimizing women and they're, you know, so my grandmother knew that this is what her granddaughters, this is what everybody else's granddaughters were growing up to. And it wasn't about being conservative. On the contrary, it was about elevating women's rights in any way. And this is something that I love that, you know, DJ Negro told me, he's like, you know what, we're, you're right. Like, we were excluding women. We didn't let them come up on stage. We would boo them off stage. So it was a very abusive sense of lyrics against women, some of the songs. And so that's that distinction we're going to hear, you know, in 2022 and the episodes to come. Well, that's that's what I'm, I'm kind of getting at. If if you're trying to look into the crystal ball into the future and say what's in store for reggaeton in 2022 and 2023 and beyond, like, can it maintain the attention span of listeners of course but also of like the artistic community that is like yeah I, that's interesting i want to see how i can collaborate i want to you know i want to try it out you know let's try something with justin bieber let's try something with so and so let's try it. and it becomes like one of the main genres in the world i think what it uh, is it's become pop it's taken over pop pop artists are dying to work and collaborate with reggaeton artists and it all becomes i mean once it becomes that mix of like, you don't know where to draw the line. What's pop? Popular music. And that's where it might be right now. It's pop. And then you can, you know, you can handpick a few songs from that, right? And say, oh, uh, yeah, this is this is more where the roots are. But, you know, everything evolves. Who knows what, what lies ahead? I mean, part of it that to me is just bizarre. When it started, this was all about legitimizing the realities of La Calle. Legitimizing the the stories and the people and the value of what could be born in the caserillos in the hood. And now they like it's what the artists are promoting is the ultimate privilege. Like they're the ones that like have all these, you know, it was inspirational when it was like, oh, you know, started from the bottom. Now we're here. But now, now we're here. The here what people aspire to is private jets and Yeezys and like thousand dollar, you know, T-shirts. What's that? How is that where it came from? And that's something that, you know, having covered Astroworld and having looked at the movement recently of like the intensity of desiring to be influential on social media and flying private jets and having all this expensive stuff feels so far away from what the original, you know, reggaeton or underground artists were fighting for. I mean, maybe it's always been about being seen, but man, like now it's about an impossible and quite frankly, like, just uninspiring dreams sometimes. What? Buying stuff that's more expensive? And that's where the hand of the United States and capitalism comes in to be. It's like the ultimate explosion of buy stuff you can't afford. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that. the conversation is very deep. It's ultimate consumerism. And that's what's happened to the music, too. It's just commercial. Well, you know, talking about that, about the, the, the future of reggaeton. I definitely think that, you know, now artists are putting out songs, you know, whenever they feel like it. They can just, you know, jump in a studio, wherever they are, you know, record their, their verses, send them over to whoever's, you know, producing it in the studio. They get some verses from somebody else, put it together. They don't have to wait. It all happens so fast. Like you said, like the iconic songs, 
dating back to Panama and underground and the early years of reggaeton, you know the lyrics. You want to sing them. They mean something to you, even if it's just a silly story, even if it's just a funny rhyme. But, you know, you connect to them in some way. And I do think that that is, is maybe a hurdle or that is a, a pitfall. You can't just make a great beat and put it out there with verses that don't have the same attention to them or the, the same but there are a be- there are message. beats there are beats that are magical i mean pepa is the best example of that like i cannot hear pepa and not want to like like go running or start jumping like there are beats that are just magical and that's something that's still happening it could be the hook it could be just that one hook and it's just magic And it's just like, oh, my God, this just completely improved my day or I want to go to the club. Like, look, I'm, I'm closer to 40 than 30. Like, I think my clubbing days um, are not in, maybe not entirely over, but probably. But Pepas brings up another issue, which is you're fusing into, you know, dance music. Yes, true. Then you have people, you know, some of the older school folks in, in Puerto Rico who say, you know, that... That's not reggaeton. reggaeton. <laughs> That's not reggaeton. You know, the reggaeton that we we did, that we started, that has a bit more of an a, aggressive rap to it, that has a harder bass line to it. And that's what we're trying to figure out too, right? Where do you draw the line? Is it because there's still some reggae components? Or is reggaeton just all of urbano? And that's where the, you know, Latin Grammy controversies comes. Like, you can't group all this into urbano. It's interesting that reggaeton, in its all of its iterations, has had to deal with like censorship and somebody trying to, you know, stop it dead in its tracks, whether it's, you know, in Panama or Puerto Rico. And then you you fast forward, and this is, you know, it's kind of an alternate reality. You fast forward to today and, you know, reggaeton singers, producers, artists are helping to topple governments in Puerto Rico. Yeah, el 19. verano del 19. Uh-huh, that's true. How do, you, how do you make sense of that? It's a sense of responsibility. It's a sense of knowing that Puerto Rico in the face of the United States is powerless. And, you know, I think credit where credit is due, you know, Residente has always been very critical of the invisible hand of the United States that you're talking about. And he's very pro, you know, independence. When it comes to, you know, talking about the power of the United States, it's one thing. But when it's, you know, our own people, our own you know, the corruption or the, you know, or the abuse of power that happens from our own politicians. It's like at the end of the day, if you're Bad Bunny or Residente or even Ricky Martin, you have so much power that unless you use that power to call out an injustice or to call out something that's messed up, what's the point of it? And the other thing that we have as Puerto Ricans is this ultimate pride and this love of country, um, even if that country is not really a country. So I think it was about a sense of responsibility. And a lot of the artists, you know, might not have that and might not have, might not feel that responsibility because they fear taking sides because Puerto Rico is so politically divided that if you say, you know, if you side with one political party or, or another, you're sacrificing half of your audience, right? I generally am okay with that. I don't think that every person, you need to have a public opinion stance on something as if you were a politician that, you know, we're going to, we're going to check this, you know, in a couple of years to see if you, you know, if it was a bait and switch, whether you've stayed, you know, whether, you know, you, you've stayed committed to this cause, you know, if you're an entertainer, you have the right to just be an entertainer. There's enough information. There's enough 
people who do have you know very in-depth uh, nuanced opinions and analysis then you can get that information from some some someplace else yeah there are some things that are too good to keep a secret like how your amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip i'd like to check into the centurion lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. But I wanted to like talk about now you're a journalist, you know, you've been trained to look at things and in a certain way to seek out the truth. And so now you're turning that lens on your own family history on you know, the lore, the family lore, you know, the stories that, that you guys tell each other. And I wanted to know in a very personal way what that's been like for you to kind of open those treasure chests that are hidden in closets. You know, it's been, honestly, it's been a journey that's been more rewarding than I expected because, you know, the day I went to interview my aunt to talk about my grandmother's history within the history of reggaeton, I came back with Something like, you know, 20 giant boxes of photos and memories and newspaper clippings. And right, I brought the ones that I could carry with me from Puerto Rico here. And what I've learned is so much that I didn't know. She has something like the record for the most laws passed in Puerto Rico. She's been so much more prolific than I even knew growing up because the stories we heard were, were a few. And, you know, I've been able to like read transcripts and study some of the things she said and it's been enlightening in some ways as to like how far advanced and into the future and how visionary she was. And it, a lot of it goes along with what she was telling us at the time, which was, look, th this music is, you know, it's great. It's super. I'm an artist. She was an artist. She was censored. She was, you know, she was way ahead of her time. At no point did she want to quiet those voices. And that's what I've continued to discover. And and the fact that, you know, what drove her was her feminism, was women's power. But at the same time, I've, you know, realized that perhaps her quote unquote, like, you know, crusade, I've always said it wasn't a crusade. It wasn't a crusade. The word crusade goes back to a speech she actually gave in El Capitolio. <laughs> so <laughs> there's been, you know, it's it's been interesting because I'm like, nah, that's not what she was trying to do. And then I read a transcript and she was actually, she actually used the word crusade. I was like, oh God, Aya, what did you do? <laughs> that's not. <laughs> um, as a journalist, you know, I, I've tried to go through, 
you know, with my most objective eye to go through everything that was happening at the time. And I think that there is this idea of like protecting children that sounds very conservative, you know, like protecting the innocence of children. And I think that that was in a way like, you know, a conservative, quote unquote, part of her. I mean, she did. She was born in 1933. My gosh, like she had children in the 50s. Obviously, there are some, you know, social norms that to her were completely violated with this extremely explicit music. And I think she did want to stop some of it. Despite, you know, whatever intention she had, you can paint a light of conservatism in that. And, you know, at that point in her life, she was very, like, Catholic. But she also, and what I realized, and I remember having these conversations with her, like, she also had this passion for, like, first of all, Puerto Rican pride above all, And this passion for like fueling the arts, a lot of her projects as a senator had to do with giving artists the tools to thrive, of creating Puerto Rican cultural movements in films and television. She fought for Puerto Rican creatives until she died. And that's the part that never gets told. Like they paint her as some kind of like religious fanatic, as some kind of like you know, super conservative something. And I'm like, that's not it. That's not it. It was the opposite. And fortunately, I had this conversation with several reggaeton artists who told me, you know what, your grandmother's quote unquote, you know, crusade or whatever actually helped us. But the history of reggaeton is often told as if that help was unintentional. And I remember having these conversations with her and it wasn't unintentional. She knew that if they told the same story in a more metaphorical and less graphic way, it would extend beyond Puerto Rico, beyond the island. And why she knew that is because she did that herself in her character, La Criada Malcriada. She left the island. Her character went across, you know, Latino communities in the States and in Latin America. So she knew what was in store for these artists. She knew the talent they had to make something bigger. And it Sure enough, it happened. On the next episode of El Flow, reggaeton shifts into another gear and gets super sexual. Empezó como que a entrar más en lo, en, en lo que era lo sexual, lo que te digo, el perreo. The hardcore street era makes way for perreo, and a more danceable form of reggaeton takes over. But that brings a whole new level of scrutiny. And again, the police. Mira, te está buscando... Cuando abro las ventanas, afuera yo tenía 20.000 federales afuera. El Flow is a production of Exile Content Studio in partnership with iHeartRadio's My Cultura Podcast Network. The show is hosted by me, Lilia Luciano, and was created and produced by Vitenis Di Julis. Production and sound design by Dixo. Additional production by David Quiñones, Mirna Couto, Hermes Ayala, and Natalia Merced. Story editing by Nuria Net. Original music by Truco. Production supervision by Álvaro Céspedes. Executive producers for Exile Content Studio are Nando Vila, Isaac Lee, and Alejandro Uribe. Executive producers for iHeartMedia are Connell Byrne and Giselle Bances. For more podcasts from iHeart, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. 
And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.